Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. to Daylight Podcast in partnership with One Week Season. Week one NFL is upon us. We had a very interesting week, including a uh, football game uh, some people were not too impressed with. Um, That, by the way, was the voice of the late Vince Lombardi, long seen as the best coach in NFL history, On the day that the man who supplanted him as the greatest coach ever proved it once again by getting Antonio Brown on the Patriots. We could fill a whole episode on this, but we will not because, again, this is week one and we will be talking one week season. Uh, We will take your calls later in the show. Uh, But for now, we are going to mainly be talking about DraftKings. So one of the key things you're going to learn about me is that I'm just like you, right? I'm a guy who has about six hours a week to do this, to study, to get everything together. I subscribe to a site that gives me uh, projections. I obviously am a subscriber to One Week Season, And I struggled to get ahead in DFS. Uh, Last year was my breakthrough. So as we go on week to week, I will be covering my process with you. But the way this all kind of came about was I met Jordan JM to win um, at the Roto Grinders Conference in New York. I think it it was the year I started playing DFS. And him and I hit it off um, very similar belief systems. Uh, We both like to teach rather than just give information. We want to help people to be the best you you can be. So please keep that in mind when we're talking plays and strategies that until you figure out what's going to work for you, a process that will work for you, you're always going to be, be beholden to someone else. So, The uh, couple things that we're going to be doing on this show every week, and the first week we will not have the injury doctor, Dr. Jeffrey Budoff. Uh, He couldn't make it this week. Uh, But most weeks we will have a taped segment with a real-life doctor who will be covering the key injuries of the week, and um, that will help you to make some of the key decisions. We will have a segment each week that I'm calling the crucible, a crucible is where fire is made. And every week in Daily Fantasy, a lot of times, before you know what you want to do, there's a key decision point of the week that you have to make a decision. 
and we will analyze and tackle that head on. <clears throat> we'll also tackle each week, what kind of week is it? Uh, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, I was so excited, I forgot to mention who I am. I'm Todd from PA. That's Todd with one D. My real name is Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. And I am the host of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm a bit of what is considered a best ball analyst. Uh, but again, even though some people call me an analyst and some people call me an expert, internally, I consider myself a guy just like all of you trying to be successful, uh, whether it's best ball, whether it's uh, anything else. I recorded a pod uh, for JM last year that was very well received on transitioning from best ball to DFS. Uh, I know it's on the site somewhere. Uh, and then this year, JM and I did about six hours of podcasts for the site on best ball. Uh, I found that best ball the key point that makes me good at best ball back to being the best you, you can be is floor and ceiling. Well, what does Jordan preach week in and week out? We're looking to put as much floor and ceiling into each of our lineups each week. Um, also the uh, other segment and the key segment that we will have each week is we're going to be reviewing JM's very popular player grid. So if you look at the way the content on one week season is set up, think of it starting broad and narrowing. Jordan's focus is to narrow down to the absolute best plays. So if you look at uh, his NFL edge, it is very broad. What is most likely to happen? And he gives you the most information possible. That's followed by the angles pod and the angles pod, not only uh, the angles pod is something new as we found out last week. And I think it's going to be really popular because it's JM taking the edge and distilling it to his latest thoughts. And then the player grid is the final product. It is the narrowest beam of light that you can get each week from his extensive research. So think of it as this guy who's putting in 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, time that you and I don't have, and he is going broad and then narrowing and narrowing and narrowing and giving us the plays that he thinks is best. So we'll be reviewing his plays, but again, we will also be looking at other plays that are a little off the board or say, I might think that uh, so-and-so is a, a tier one player this week. JM didn't, but I'll explain why I think it is. Most weeks I will be joined by my co-host who we will get to in a second, High Low FF. Um, he is a Navy pilot, a poker player, and he is a really smart dude and a really great dude. So give him a follow on Twitter, and we're going to get to him in a second. Before that, though, I want to mention I would be neglectful. This is a free week, and it's being recorded on my uh, Blog Talk Radio podcast. 
Uh, there will be playback uh, for this pod afterward for anyone who wants to, to listen to it using the same link. Uh, my friend Brandon Coleman, I think, just texted me and asked me about that. So, yep, you will be able to listen to it later if you can't get to it now. Uh, but the one-week season, the way it's set up is kind of ingenious. Every year, JM raises the price a little bit. So I got in at $29 with the intro last year, and that's my price for life. This year, it's been $59 all season, all off-season, and literally tonight is your last chance to sign up and get a lifetime at $59. It is going up to $79 tomorrow, and it will never go back down. I don't believe uh, I, I have it on the highest authority that going forward, the price is $79. It's still the best value in the industry, the site. We just keep adding things to it, uh, this pod included, and there will be more additions as time goes on. So if you really enjoy JM's work and you enjoyed the free week, I advise you very strongly, and I rarely do that, to go and sign up. So that's going to do it for the preamble. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce Hilo FF, uh, Mark Garcia. Mark, how are you tonight? Hey, Todd. Doing great. Glad to be here, man. Yep, we are glad to hear you. So uh, tell the people, was I making that up? Are you really a fighter pilot? <laughs> I am. I am. Yeah, that's the, the old day job. That is the old day job. All right. So it is a very interesting week. One thing that I wanted to really stress is the fact that each week it is, you know, salaries are very different. And based on the salary and the values, we're going to approach the player grid very differently. So this week, the first week every year, is just chock full of value. So in a week, uh, Hilo, where uh, it, the, it's chock full of value, wouldn't you agree that all the more we need to be looking for both floor and ceiling this week at every position? Yeah, 100%. And that's uh, the, the floor and ceiling kind of mindset is definitely one that I think – novice or early DFS players should definitely try and adopt as soon as possible. Uh, the reason for that is the, the single entry, you know, your contest selection, the single entry contest where it is more, much easier, I would say, to, to cash. And obviously we're playing DFS. We want to be profitable. Um, but the, the floor and the ceiling is a basic concept that needs to kind of be mastered as early as possible, especially for earlier DFS players. Um, and with this week, with the pricing the way that it is, so much value, you know, pricing comes out three months, two months, whatever it is, before the start of the season. So a lot changes in that time and then creates that value. Uh, but kind of week one is is the time where it's really important to marry those two concepts together. So, Yep. And one of the things that JM really doesn't look at until very late in the week is ownership. That's something that we're going to talk about when we talk about these players and their grids. Um, you know, the goal of this podcast is to help you to make uh, single entry and cash game teams that, uh, that, you know, a lineup that's so good 
that it can be successful in both. And part of my process is, is that narrowing and refining. And again, we'll get into that uh, a little bit each week, how I do that and how you do it, Mark. But uh, on a, on a week where there's so many good plays, I feel like ownership becomes less important because it's going to be spread out more because there are so many good plays. Would you agree? Yeah, that's definitely a valid, uh, valid thought for week one. And we'll get into it later when we get into my, my process, but like you kind of like JM does, I, I wait till when probably Thursday, Friday after I'm done, really, really narrowing down my, my player pool until I even look at ownership and, well, again, we'll talk about kind of my GPP mindset here in a little bit, but um, after that is when I will start really taking ownership into uh, consideration and trying to figure out kind of what the chalk build per se would be in a GPP. Um, because to be contrarian, you don't have to necessarily make contrarian plays. It's better to be contrarian kind of by roster construction. And we'll get into that here shortly, but. Yeah. And, and and for me, you know, I had four or five big hits last year, you know, uh, at least four or five lineups that won three grand or more. And each one of them was based off of my core players that when I took my core and I added in my second and third and fourth tier plays, none of them were bad plays. None of them were pie in the sky guys of, for the most part, they were, uh, you know, people that I use game theory with. Uh, in fact, one week I, I, I had a big hit with Matt Breida before his big first week, and he was something like 5,200. He was no value, but that was exactly why I played him, and I got him at 2%. Everyone was on Alfred Morris, I think that week was 3,600, and Breida went for like 27 DraftKings points, and the rest of my core had a good week, and I, I think that was a three grand lineup. So there's, you, you're absolutely correct. You know, you don't have to be contrarian at every position. Um, it's kind of like mixing a. I, I use this with risk in best ball, but it's kind of like mixing a drink, right? You you need just enough contrarianism in a lineup that if you're right that you can get to the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. So uh, that is, uh, I want to talk a little bit, you know, talking about floor and ceiling. If you're on the site right now, go to the GPP ceiling tool. If you go up to the top of uh, where it says uh, one week season next to it, you'll see matchups, leaderboard, our team, and then edge plus, Lean on Edge Plus. You'll see all the different things uh, on the site and go to the GPP ceiling tool. When you get there, you're going to first have a choice of what site that you want to use. And for me, that's DraftKings. And I promised I would talk about that a little. I mean, I'm, I don't even look at Fan, uh, FanDuel anymore. Uh, part of my process last year of what made me successful was not only narrowing how many people and sources of information I listen to, but also just focused on playing one site. 
And that was that worked for me with a six hour window. So uh, we'll click on DraftKings, then you'll click on what uh, position, and then you can click on ceiling. Uh, and uh, I've got it at 85 percentile right now, and you can play with the different choices. And I want um, in the last box, I always put 20, and then I hit search. And what it does is it gives you the floor, the middle, and the 85th percentile ceiling. So if you want to, you know, if you say, well, Todd, uh, you know, Mark, we don't understand what you're talking about with floor and ceiling. This new tool on site is the simplest way I've seen in the industry to quickly have a snapshot of a position group and who has a floor and who has a ceiling. And then also what I do is I open a second tab with the ownership and I will click on DK ownership and then quickly comparing the two, I'm able to see who has a floor, who has a ceiling and how owned each player is. And that's a great way to narrow a player pool. Wouldn't you agree, Mark? Yeah, it's- definitely nice having those tools i was doing that you know by intuition for a long time uh so these me tools too are coming out every i mean year. i had a it's, site it's that did it too but this is uh, a lot of the sites big sites have have this information but this is the sim- you know again we're talking about you know for you know a lot of these sites are were set up for quote grinders for for professionals you know, the, the, this is great for an average guy like me who's got six, seven hours a week, you know, where I can just focus in and, and see exactly what I want. So uh, that is good. I, w- I hope everyone got a chance to look at that and gets the most out of that tool. Um, <clears throat> and, w- and we'll go back to it, uh, Mark, as we go through the uh, different categories of the grid. So um, everyone can go to the grid now if you're listening. But while everyone is doing that, Mark, why don't you spend a little time talking about your process? Yeah, so my process, uh, before I ever look at ownership, before I ever look at game totals, anything like that, I dig into individual – or I dig into team matchups, and then I dig into individual matchups. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking at – uh, the team stats like DVOA uh, against the rush, against the pass, which um, daily value daily or sorry, daily value over average. Uh, if I got that right, I probably butchered that. Sorry. Um, and basically, that's a uh, you're, dedu- you're deducted two demerits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Two demerits. Uh, that's, I'm taking it out that's of your basically, pay. <laughs> that's a team's strength or weakness against uh, both the pass, the rush, how they've ranked. Uh, and one thing you're going to see early in the season is those values are from 2018. So those are previous values. Um, and so in the beginning stages of a season, I'm definitely, again, leveraging all the best ball study, all the season long study to see what has changed uh, in a given, you know, on a team. Because today's NFL, things are changing daily. Hello, Antonio Brown. Um, So to be really on top of that stuff helps from the season-long study. Uh, So from there, I'm kind of whittling it down into core plays. Um, Like you said, I I, got to interrupt. Antonio Brown, crazy or crazy like a fox? (laughs) 
I don't know. One man's madness. I don't know. I have, uh, <laughs> I'm we'll, sorry. I interrupted, we'll but go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so after I, I'm primarily a what, if you're familiar with one-week seasons, any readers out there, obviously hoping we're uh, talking to one-week season crowd here, uh, JM termed the, uh, or coined the term rifle. Uh, a rifle player for GPPs is someone who is narrowing down a uh, a pool of players that are that have the best mix of upside ceiling and floor uh, and then drawing multiple teams from that pool uh, as opposed to what he terms a shotgun player which is kind of just throwing caution to the wind and entering as many different combinations of Please, players Jesus, that you can let me win trying- a million dollars Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but you know what? I want to, I want to touch on that real quick because that was my problem for a couple of years. When I talk about how I narrowed the people I listened to, when you listen to a lot of people, everyone's got someone who sounds good. And it's really easy if you're listening to even really smart people. I cut out a lot of really smart people that I respect. Uh, because I I ended up too shotgunny because I wanted to get everyone's favorite play into my lineups, and I never had the right ownership and I never had the right focus. Yeah, and there's there's people that that works for them. Uh, it's not myself. I need to kind of narrow it down to my absolute best plays and then create lineups using different combinations of those plays. Yep, I do too, and I'm not convinced that. Uh, the shotgun approach works for too many people. I I would say uh, for most of the average guy, the six hour guy, the biggest mistake they make is they, they play too many people. And, um, and, 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 you know, and they, uh, you know, every sport is different. Baseball uh, shotgun is a wonderful approach. Uh, But, but NFL, you want to get paid off on the weeks when you kill it. You know, you want to get in that top 5%, you know, and, and, and get a three grand hit or a six grand hit or a 10 grand hit, or maybe even better. Um, so, um, yeah, let's, let's head to the grid. Um, if that's okay, uh, Mark. Yeah, you got it. All right. Uh, so let's see. I just wanted to da, 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 da. I talked about how this is a value week. Uh, I also want to talk about UFC collective ownership. And uh, you want to make sure that you check that out. Um, they're pretty good with the NFL. They've got a whole week to collect it. Um, now, I, I also, just before we do this, from a process uh, standpoint, once I nail my best lineup, Mark, I always, always throw it into the Millie and I always throw it into the slant and often I'll also throw it into the play action. The the worst thing in the world is to absolutely nail your number one lineup and you're killing it in single and three entry tourneys. And you you know, imagine you could have won, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars and you didn't because you just didn't stick the the lineup you sweat over all week into the big money GPP. So I, I, uh, do you do that as well? 
I do. The first, so the first thing I do is I build my favorite lineup. Uh, that uh, I am, unlike a lot of people, I am GPP only, uh, baseball uh, and football. I don't really play too much NBA just because it's beat by algorithm, al- algorithms, uh, which I don't really like. Uh, but anyway, I narrow it down to my, my best lineup. I enter that into the single entries from, I won't say the stakes that I play, but um, I enter that into the single entry tournaments. Typically, you, you're more nosebleed are... than I am. <laughs> sure. Well, well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I t- so anything from a thousand entries typically to the 2000 entry window, that's kind of the sweet spot for me for the single entries. Uh, and then for the Millie maker, obviously I'm throwing that same lineup in that tournament. And that is where I will take my rifle approach is in the higher payout tournaments. Gotcha. So, yep. And then uh, I'm like you, I build off of the core last year, most weeks, I would say that I, you know, I had four or five players that I had more than 50% ownership in on every week. You know, got you know, and and a lot of weeks I'd have one guy who was like ninety percent owned, another guy who was seventy five. Uh, most weeks, my quarterback I own right around fifty percent. My main quarterback is in fifty percent of my lineups. Um, so um, that is some tips out there. All right, so let's talk about the player grid. Um, very important to understand what JM is trying to do with the grid, right? So level one is his absolute best plays of the week, the ones that he feel has floor and ceiling in spades. Level two has the floor, but perhaps not the ceiling. And level three has the ceiling, but not the floor. Now, none of them are what we would call, you know, uh, the guy who is just a prayer. Right. The guy that you're hoping gets two catches, you know, he's he's a he's a deep threat and you're just, you know, he's thirty one hundred. He gets about three targets a week and you're praying that he turns two of them into touchdowns. That nev- that guy never makes the grit. And I uh, another part of narrowing my process was stopping playing those guys. Uh, is Is that what you do as well? Yeah, hundred percent. And that that process and that thought took me a probably two solid years to get over. So, yeah, at uh, least. mastering that kind of thought. Yeah, mastering that thought early uh, definitely should pay off in spades. Yeah. So what we're looking for is in in level one, and and again, let's all go over if you're following along. Let's go uh, to the grid, uh, myself included. Where is it? weekly player grid uh, uh, and, uh, and, and, and keep in mind that even when Mark and I go outside of whom JM has chosen. So the process we're going to do is we're going to review JM's choices. We're going to say whether we agree with it or not. And we're going to then talk about some of the other choices that, that are in our, realm of people that we're looking at playing this week. So we'll do it by position. Uh, tier one quarterbacks, uh, 
uh, and we're going to leave it up to you, dear listener, to go in and actually read the information on the site. We're not going to spend time covering what's said uh, too much. So Cam Newton is there, Carson Wentz, and Lamar Jackson, along with Patrick Mahomes. Let's go and look at the ownership on them. Patrick Mahomes, 8.73, Carson Wentz, 8.51, Lamar Jackson, 6.55, and Cam Newton, 5.73. Now, quarterback always tends to be pretty spread out. The number one guy right now uh, on the grid, uh, I mean, on ownership is Jameis Winston. Kyler Murray is second. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is is in the top ten. So... That's tier one. We go tier two, and I don't think there was anyone in. Oh, what wasn't Josh Allen in tier one? No. Oh wow. Oh, he was. He was as part of the block. Uh, so okay, Josh there you go. So yeah. Here. Yeah, and 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 JM covered that in detail on the angles pod. So I'm not going to repeat it. There is no quarterback in tier two. And only Jared Goff in tier three. And Jared Goff's ownership right now is six. So based on ownership, Mark, there's nobody on this grid that I would uh, hesitate to uh, put into my uh, core. Um, and, and, and then you just move on and, and you're looking for the best plays. I know that there are two of your favorite plays are in tier one. Why don't you tell us who they are? Yeah, my number one core play for this week for both floor and ceiling considered is Lamar Jackson. Um, I think his ownership is going to be depressed because people are worried about him not being needed in the fourth quarter possibly uh, with likely uh, extremely positive game script. My counter to that is his head coach. Ole Harbaugh loves to stomp when he can he has taken that from his college days and carried it over to the nfl i think last year early on in the season they had a 47 to 3 game or something like that uh he's a coach who will take the early on in the season as extra reps and the reason he does that i think is because of the way that the nfl is going with the preseason so he's using this as his extended preseason he is getting the plays that he wants to run, he's getting the tempo that he wants to run, everything, he's getting it all filtered through into these first few weeks. Um, So with the rushing upside, or I guess I should say the rushing floor that Lamar Jackson adds this week, uh, on top of now reports coming out preseason that uh, Lamar Jackson says him and offensive coordinator want him to throw the ball 30 times a game, which would be a, a, a stark increase uh, from last year. I think he was sitting over 18, 19 attempts a game, something like that. Um, so all that taken into account, and then we talk about the matchup with Miami, who on paper their defense looks like Alabama would slaughter them. Uh, and that is just, I mean, they have probably two names that you would even recognize uh, on defense, and they're both in the secondary. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But L- Lamar Jackson my highest high lows rated uh, highest combination of floor ceiling this week. And number two, um, I think you were pretty high on uh, Josh Allen joining, uh, joining uh, Jordan on that one. I am. 
Uh, Josh Allen, again, uh, the floor that his legs uh, give him, until he proves that he is comfortable in the pocket, he carries about as high a floor as anybody, any quarterback in the NFL because of his legs. Uh, What he showed last year is he is a one-read quarterback, and then he's going to do what he's comfortable with, and that is tuck the ball uh, and take off. We'll see these first few weeks uh, if he's adjusted any in that pocket presence, but until he demonstrates that, you know, NFL pocket presence, he definitely carries an elevated floor. Uh, Now we talk about ceiling. What have they done? The Buffalo Bills in the offseason, they've added two high-dollar wide receivers. Smokey's legs will elevate Josh Gordon's floor each and every week. So, yeah, I'm definitely along for the uh, the Josh – or did I say Josh Gordon? Josh Allen ride here. Yep. Uh, Well, we all got Josh Gordon on the brain right now. (laughs) So, all right, Cam Newton – All right. I'm still not done at quarterback and I hate weeks where I'm not done at quarterback on Saturday night. My, all my big weeks, I was done pretty much by Saturday night with my team. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with the guy and I'll mention who I'm on and why I'm on him uh, in a, in a minute. But uh, Cam Newton, I just feel like game script wise, the the best way to beat the, um, the Rams is to run the ball. And I just think Christian McCaffrey could be, have like 140 yards, but not as many uh, touches. I do like this uh, offense, and we'll get to the guy that I'll be playing from this offense later. But for the extra money on Cam, I'm just struggling. I, I've got some Cam lineups. Wentz I don't like because I do think he'll be popular, especially in cash games. Uh, and single entry, but it's really hard to pick who you're going to uh, play him with. I like Lamar Jackson, but I, I, and I've got some. And Patrick Mahomes, uh, I'm just not on this week. I think uh, just like what JM said, that you know if you played this slate a hundred times, uh, the Jaguars are going to give Patrick Mahomes enough trouble that uh, I can't. Uh, uh, you know, for the elevated dollars, I can't do it. Um, so I'm out. my most owned guy right now, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's followed me on Twitter uh, and followed me for best ball is Kyler Murray. Now, I know there are five. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you I'm uncomfortable about Josh Allen and Kyler Murray has just as many red flags. Uh, Detroit uh, didn't let up good running uh, quarterbacks last year. Uh, They didn't give up a lot of yards to quarterbacks. Matt Patricia is going to, you know, play slow. Uh, You know, everything that JM talked about in the angles pod is true. But if you read the book, the perfect pass, and you know what this, uh, what an air raid offense can do, uh, I've been on them all off season and I'm just having a hard time, you know, because the ownership's going to, I, it's saying nine point percent ownership, but I'm expecting it to be lower. I I'm all I'm hearing is the negatives. And, you know, I think Kyler has a really good floor. I still think he's going to get 30 to 50 yards rushing. They're going to be a lot of uh, screen passes, and uh, and I, I, I will tell you later the main guy that I'm stacking him with, but Kyler Murray right now is my main quarterback 
other quarterbacks that I have, um, you know, I think Russ Wilson is a good play. I, I think that he's got a pretty good floor. Uh, I think that uh, the Bengals have a, a chance to make them play. I don't have a lot. Uh, I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo truther. I've got a decent bit of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and uh, I've got some Dak Prescott and Nick Foles. Now, both of those would be tier two. Uh, and I am playing them in GPPs, but I really like the fact that Nick Foles, if he goes off, it's very likely to be with Leonard Fournette and D.D. Westbrook. And I, I just think that that's a, a really neat uh, stack and you can bring it back uh, pretty well uh, as well uh, with uh, a chief. Uh, I, I have like five Foles lineups and each, you know, each one, you know, one is Kelsey, one has, Hill, one has Watkins, and I think I've got a fourth. I've got a decent amount of Matt Stafford. Again, this isn't my main lineup. This is me trying, you know, think of it this way. I've got my core, and then I'm looking for quarterbacks who are going to be either low-owned or are in situations where I can play the other players that I really like. So I think Marvin Jones is a good play. I think Kenny Galladay is a good play. I think Carrion's a good game. And I think if the uh, Cardinals are, are able to get out to a lead, if they are able to, to uh, keep the pace up and to move the ball, then Detroit is going to come along for the ride. Um, I think the Giants could be a hot mess. I've got some Dak Prescott and uh, – the, 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 I think the, the I'll throw out uh, a sleeper of Matt Ryan. I think that Matt Ryan is in a game, and he's right now his ownership. When I looked at it, he, he's got a 3% ownership. Josh Allen, it says 2% ownership. I find that really hard to believe. Uh, but uh, your thoughts uh, on my guys, Mark, and then your th- uh, yeah. some of your off-the-board plays at the position. Just quick uh, notes on some of the guys that we covered too. Um, you you talked about Nick Foles and the big idea there is concentration of offense. That is something that is more or less uncommon in today's NFL, but is highly valuable for DFS. Being able to know where those, you know, where the offensive production is likely to come from. And you look at all the reports out of Jacksonville, they're going to try and run Leonard Fournette into the ground because they really don't have much behind him. And uh, you have Reichel before. Armstead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, uh, you know, they've talked him up. Uh, you know, they're trying to get him more involved in the passing game. And then D.D. Westbrook, who basically is uh, the new Stephon Diggs. I expect him to be moved all around the formation uh, to create mismatches, uh, primarily – working out of the slot uh, or the Z, uh, Z wide receiver. So in motion uh, off the line to get him into space. Uh, but anyway, a quick thought on uh, that reason why Carson Wentz didn't make my, uh, I guess, narrowed down player pool um, is the concentration of targets. And we talk a lot about stacking. Uh, it's a kind of GPP, mindset to be able to maximize that floor and ceiling and there really is no concentration of offense on Philly and they could score three rushing touchdowns 
they could score four passing touchdowns to all different guys. Um, so if playing Carson Wentz, a way to be contrarian, you know, stacking is beating down our throats. I think a way to be contrarian but not make a poor play is to play Carson Wentz naked this week. Um, I, I, I like over, it. I got the Todd stamp of approval on that one, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry. The, uh, yeah, Washington that that, that in a oh. quarter will get you a gumball. There you go. <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, I'm off just because – not because he's a bad play, just because I think the ownership is going to outweigh the slate-breaking upside that he brings in this matchup, if that makes sense. It does. Um, Josh Who are the Allen. couple of guys that you're uh... – you know, I threw out a couple of names. Uh, we we really have to move on to running back, but yeah, uh, sorry. Give me just give me if uh, is there anyone that would as Adam Levitan used to always say on the pod, is there anyone that we missed before we moved on? Yeah. So my quarterback player pool is narrowed down to three players: the two that we covered, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, and then Old Red Rocket. Uh, so you talked oh, your you boy a little bit. Yeah, Dalton, baby. Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, that game possibly opening up and becoming a shootout. Um, I think that is a higher likelihood of happening this week than ownership will dictate. Uh, and likely uh, game script is going to be Cincinnati having to keep the foot on the gas because of how atrocious that defense is. So where does that come from? That's going to be passing volume. And we'll talk a little bit about some of my targets uh that he'll be thrown to as well. All right, let's get to the running backs. Uh, Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley make up tier one. Um, let's get to tier two, Christian McCaffrey. And tier three, he's got Todd Gurley, Chris Thompson, Dalvin Cook. Um, and he says that everyone else in the industry would put Cook in tier one. Mark Ingram and Austin Eckler. Um, I will tell you that right now Fournette is my second highest owned player. Uh, I was on him before I listened to JM. Uh, I hope that by both of us being on them, we're not going to raise his ownership at all. Uh, But I am on Dalvin Cook. I I think that's good chalk at 6,000. And uh, my third highest owned running back is David Johnson. And that's who I'm pairing with Kyler Murray. I think DJ is going to catch six or seven balls, giving him a great floor. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit more in the crucible uh, toward the end of the pod, but uh, I'm all mid level with my main guys. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'm, and then Nick Chubb is uh, my fourth guy and then I sprinkle in uh, Barkley and and uh, what's his name uh, McCaffrey. Uh, I got a little bit of Geis, some Carson, and that really are, those are the key players that you know my tight pool. Uh, how about you, uh, Mark? Yeah, uh, Leonard Fournette definitely high up there, uh, and just a quick. Uh, I guess, synopsis of the end of my process. Uh, so after I look at ownership and figure out, you know, where uh, the money's going to be, so to speak, 
I try to formulate what in my mind is going to be the chalk build. So the overall lineup construction that is going to be chalk for that week by identifying that. And that is just intuition of kind of messing around with different lineups and different builds by identifying what the chalk build is going to be. That is how I get contrarian for GPPs um, as opposed to taking the, you know, players who don't have the best combination of floor and ceiling. And for this week, I think that chalk build uh, that I alluded to is going to be two or three of those mid-level running backs. Those 60, I think the highest is 60, what is Fournette, 61? Uh, So 61 down into the 5,600 range. Uh, And there are four, probably three or four guys that I think are going to be extremely heavily owned in that range and make up that chalk build. Um, so I'll talk to kind of my, my lineup to get contrarian here in a little bit, but I'm on Fournette. Uh, definitely. I think he carries immense ceiling, especially relative to cost. I love Saquon. We talk about, uh, we talked about, um, concentrated offense. That offense this week is basically entirely Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. Uh, so I love Barkley. I think he could approach or surpass 10 targets in this game. Uh, which is uh, all the things that JM has alluded to with that that Tampa 2 defense that funnels uh, to the running back tight end position. I won't cover that, Uh, but definitely Saquon is up there. Um, I have Kerryon Johnson as a Tier 1 play, uh, and I think that is maybe – Todd and I talk all the time about the assumption of rational coaching. Uh, Maybe that's relying on that a little bit too heavily, but – I like Kerryon Johnson. Um, the main reason is we talk a lot about, about the new look Arizona offense and how up-tempo they're going to be. Well, that means more plays for Detroit on the other side of that ball. They're going to try and slow that game down, but they're by default playing the opponent that they are, they're going to see more volume on offense. And Kerryon Johnson, I think, is where that off uh, volume is going to flow through. Um, yeah. And then I'm on Dalvin Cook as well, like you alluded to. Uh, I think he's a another great play relative to cost. I would have him a tier one play as well. All right. So let's get to ownership and the, and the whole week here. So Dalvin Cook is projected at 28%. I've currently got him at 70. So that's way more leverage. In other words, he's chalk but on a week where nobody is at 30%. Um, So, and then Christian McCaffrey is 21, Barkley's 18, Carson's 27. Neither of us mentioned Chris Carson much. I do have some. I'll be way under on him. I'll be, I don't have hardly any Austin Eckler. I am going to, you know, because I originally was heavily on carry on and all the talk is about, you know, how stupid Matt Patricia is. And and I'm not arguing that, but what if, what if, you know, the fates align and it doesn't matter that his 18 to 20 touches that Patricia has shown he's willing to give him are just against a pitiful defense are just valuable enough. So I will be adding some of him in. Uh, There's a lot of other people that you can mix in Um, some low owned guys, who uh, Mark Ingram at 4% is interesting. Devonta Freeman, I have a little. At 2%, Devonta Freeman is a really strong play. 
Uh, Kenyon Drake is the guy that I, I, I think I want to be over on. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to, to not like him, but I love explosive players. And at 1.5% projected ownership, Derek Henry, my boy, at 1.2, I will find a way to be over on all of those guys. Uh, it doesn't have to be a lot. If they're 1% or 2% owned and you've got 8 or 9%, uh, that, that can be enough. So uh, let's move to the wide receivers, unless you've got any final thoughts on that, Mark. Uh, one running back that uh, is in my tier one, I would say, that was not covered is Christian McCaffrey. I think a, a vast majority of that offense is still going to flow through CMC. And um, I talked about the chalk build. Well, my way that I'm combating that chalk build is paying up at running back, where I don't think a lot of people will be doing together this week because of all the value that is available in that middle tier of pricing. And we're going to cover uh, so that in the crucible. That is, that is yep. the crucible topic of the week. Uh, and we'll get into Four that uh, after we take a few phone calls in a while. Uh, wide receiver. Uh, I mentioned that I was very interested in a uh, Panther. It's Curtis Samuel. Uh, right now, a projected ownership of 15%. I think it's going to be higher. Uh, at 4.1 K or four. Yeah, I think 4.1 K. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'll be way over on him. DD Westbrook is a guy I like that isn't in uh, uh, that. I I'll probably be about even on uh, he's 20%. I like him a lot. I've got him in some foals for net builds, but he didn't crack my main lineup right now. Uh, and Chris Godwin who did crack my uh, main lineup. Uh, so two of the three guys that JM has are in my team. Uh, he's got the Bills block, and I don't have the Bills block. Uh, tier two, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans. And tier three, uh, JM has uh, two of the three, uh, the other two uh, Rams wide receivers, DJ Moore, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham. Uh, let's see. So my third guy right now, uh, and this could change, is Tyler Lockett. I'm, I, I'm a little higher on the pace of that game. Uh, I know you are, Mark, uh, but Tyler Lockett is in my main build. I'm, I'm pretty big on Larry Fitzgerald. I'm pretty big. Uh, I, I mean, big, I'll be overweight. Uh, Jamison Crowder is the guy that I'm on. I think that he was on my main team for a while, and and I, I just can't put him in over Samuel. But I like Adam Thielen. I've got some Julio Jones, some Amani Cooper, some Marvin Jones. Uh, th those are the guys that I'm spreading out with. There's a few others, you know, a little bit of a couple of the other Cardinals, and some of the uh, some of the uh, 49ers. How about you, Mark? Yeah, so real quick before I get into mine, I want to talk about that Buffalo-New York Giants game, New York, Gi New York Jets game, um, and why I am higher on Buffalo than I think the general public will be, and that is pace. Um, everyone is going to see Adam Gase, head coach of the Giant or the Jets, Jesus Christ, the Jets, and think about the Dolphins last year and how slow no, they played. No, uh, I can I can assure you that Adam Gase is not Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe. Maybe the way he was. I, I think he's leaning uh, the other way, but, you know, just an opinion. <laughs> anyway, what have they shown in the preseason? They've shown no huddle and they've shown pace. And Adam Gase, as googly-eyed and kooky as he is, that dude will take what the team and the GM gives him and he will – uh, formulate a game plan to win football games, uh, much like uh, Patricia has shown. Um, that being said, I think with the tools that the Giant, the Jets, oh my God, that the Jets have this year, I think they are going to show a lot more pace, uh, which in turn will give extra plays to Buffalo. Uh, so enough on that. It's uh, something that I'm worried about, and I think it is a really reasonable point. Uh, to make I think um, the general population is going to be worried about it like you said and early in the season is the time to take those stands uh, if you really feel that you've established a trend that nobody will be on uh, now is the time to take those stands so that's kind of what I'm doing this week um I am – Godwin is in my main build. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is in my main build. I think the the volume and the upside uh, for those two guys is just too good to pass up for floor and ceiling. Um, I'm not – are we – we're going to be done talking wide receivers after this? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, this is this is it. This is the reason I'm not on Kenyon Drake, and that's my boy Albert Wilson. Uh, Albert Wilson is actually in my main build this week. Um, wow. At, yep. Mm-hmm. Get some, baby. I like them. Uh, and the reason for that is the Baltimore defense, elite in the secondary, elite on the edges. They're going to put pressure uh, on Miami. Obviously, Tunzel is out. They, on paper, everyone knows that that defense, or that, sorry, that offensive line is atrocious. Well, what are they going to do? Screens. They're going to get quick slants. They're going to get the ball, try and get the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hands quickly. Also, over Fitzpatrick's career, he leads the NFL in slot target rate. Um, so kind of all these, all these different aspects of that game are aligning to give Albert Wilson more volume than he typically sees. And he's typically thought of, you know, a six, seven, maybe target guy a week. I think he could uh, approach that nine, 10 targets this week. And with the slate breaking upside that he carries on those targets, uh, I'm willing to take stand at 3,900. I, I love uh, Albert Wilson. I've got a good bit of him. I am not playing him this week just because I think Baltimore is, is, is a bear, but uh, I, I don't hate the play. Uh so uh, let's uh, any other names before we move to tight end? Yeah, I talked about Smokey real quick earlier. Uh, the guy I'd be pairing um, Josh Allen with is Smokey Brown. Um, just again for his kind of slate breaking upside. That's more of a tier three play that I'm mixing in. All right, let's move over to tight end. And I'm going to start with ownership on the big four. The big five, really. Kelsey, 17. Hunter Henry, 14. Uh, George Kittle, 13. Evan Ingram, 12. And Zacherts, 11. I honestly think that push comes to shove. Hunter Henry is going to be closer to 20. I think Kelsey is yep. going to be over 20. And I think Evan Ingram might slip through the cracks. Um, as I was doing builds, 
I found that um, it was really easy to think that you wanted Evan Ingram, but there was this force to drop down. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to do that. Um, JM has Kelsey, Kittle, and Ingram all as uh, tier one. Um, And I'm playing Evan Ingram. I I think, you know, the narrow distribution, I'm not playing Saquon Barkley, but I want a piece of that tight distribution. Uh, I'm with Ingram. Uh, When we look at tier two, uh, there is no, no tight end and tier three Hunter Henry is there. So uh, I, I think that there are, it, it's you're going to see a lot of ownership on these guys, but I think my guess is that Engram's going to be the least owned because of that other thousand. And I think OJ Howard is going to have uh, some ownership uh, as well. Uh, but because I've got Godwin in the lineup, I'm not going to go with uh, I'm not going to go with uh, OJ Howard, and then I'm going to throw my biggest off the board play out uh, right now. And you know, you and I are big best ball guys, and one guy that I've been scooping with both hands all off season is Dallas Goddard. He's twenty nine hundred dollars. He's not a cash game. He's not a single or three entry play. But right now he's got a 1% ownership because he's missed all preseason with an injury. Um, Everything I've read is he's full health. I'm going to double check that. But I expect to have somewhere around 7 or 8% Dallas Goddard. The guy is just uber talented and, you know, I that's I, I love finding a couple guys each week that are super talented that no one is on for a, a very specific reason, and it goes into my whole Warren Buffett thing that I've covered. Um, so I uh, my big call of the week is Dallas Goddard, and I'm hoping uh, it it pays off dividends for me because I, I really feel like he's going to be a 40, even with Zekerts there, he's going to be a 45 to 5,500 uh, player in a few weeks. Yep. I won't disagree with that. It's definitely GPP only. Uh, if we're dropping bombs, my bomb is that, I guess I dropped an Albert Wilson bomb, but my, another bomb for me is also at the tight end position. Uh, I talked about Cincinnati and how I think that game could be a shootout. Give me some Tyler Eifert. Um, I like Eifert. I'm not playing him, but I like him. So Eifert is actually, uh, I might, this might change overnight, but he's actually in my main build right now. Um, And I need to uh, do some more research about his expected snap rate. Uh, The reason that I like him, and I think his snap rate will be more elevated health permitting, is with AJ Green out, obviously, um, I think Taylor is going to move to much more 21 and 12 uh, personnel sets. So that's either two running backs on the field at once or two tight ends on the field at once. Uh, And that's basically because of the shortcomings of that wide receiver room. Uh, So Gio Bernard, another off the cuff kind of uh, tier three play that could hit. Uh, And then Tyler Eifer and CJ Uzoma, who I think we'll see an elevated snap rate as well. I, I, uh, I love Tyler Eifert, but again, and and I hope he I hope he doesn't do much this week. 
because maybe next week I I would be a uh, a Tyler Eifert guy, and I'm gonna pull up the the GPP ceiling tool if it loads. It's not loading right now. I want to see what uh, the analytics team over at EV Analytics thinks of uh, Mr. Eifert right now because and it's not loading for me. Pique your interest in that. Well, no, I, I'm actually going to try and disprove what you just said. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think he has. You know, in a week, I, I guess the point I was going to try and make is, while I like the player, you know, what did we say at the beginning of the week? We said that, and it's not loading for some reason. Um, yeah, mine's frozen as well. But uh, we, we we recommended it, and we got so much traffic, we froze it. Uh, That's right. But uh, but you know, I I just feel like in a week where I think he's fine for GPP. Like if you want to do him instead of Goddard, I, I he might even be a better play than Goddard. Now that I think about it, uh, but I'm a Goddard <laughs> guy. Uh, but for a main build, I I just you know I want to build as much floor and ceiling as I can. And I think that there are scenarios where Mar- where Ingram can get us 20, 25 points uh, while having a floor of 8 to 10. Um, I, yeah, I no, think Ingram's Ingram floor is probably like 4. I think so uh, that's I think my thoughts that, there. Uh, respect yeah. the hell out of you, but just kind of disagree on that one. <laughs> I said with all due respect. You did say that. And, and, and I respectfully beat the crap out of it. Uh, defenses. Defenses. Let's hit I hate quick. defense this week. I'm normally, I normally am like really good with defense, and and I hate you defense my... this week. Oh man, I love it. I love it so much. I got Ravens and Eagles in his in his tier one. I think both of those are excellent choices that I'm not going to be playing. Um, tier two, he, he's got all the rest in tier three. He he talks about the yeah. Bills and the Jets, but if you if you follow JM last year, he he he, uh, you know, a, a couple of my uh, big best ball defenses are not in great spots this week. Um, mm-hmm. The Titans, the, the Titans are one of mine. But I will tell you, right now they're showing the Jacksonville Jaguars at less than one percent, and I've got a good bit of Jacksonville. Um, but go ahead. I, 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 I well, actually, I don't. I only got three percent. I thought I had more Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville right, is a so real. What's that? No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Give us. Uh, I'll give us yours, and then I'll I'll throw the couple. I I couldn't quite get up to the Eagles in my main build, uh, yeah. but uh, I got two right under them that I like. Uh, but go ahead. What do you love? So I've narrowed. Typically for uh, GPPs, doing the the rifle, uh, like we talked about, I narrow my defenses down to either two or three. Um, the reason I don't go one only is because defensive scoring uh, is so heavily weighted for takeaways and defensive touchdowns. Uh, so I don't think you want to limit yourself to going all in on one defense. That being yeah, said, I try close. and narrow it down to 
Yeah, I try and narrow it down to two or three of my favorites and then vary ownership, whatever fits each lineup. Um, so this week I'm actually uh, only down to two defenses. The top one, I'll just I'll call them 1A and 1B. Uh, the Eagles, uh, for the absolute shambles that that offensive line uh, and, on Washington is in right now, uh, revolving doors all around. So how do you create turnovers? Pressure on a quarterback. Uh, so I, I like Philly a lot, and then my highest-owned defense this week is actually the Niners. Um, and again, we talk about pressure, uh, getting to the quarterback with that Tampa Bay offensive line. I think San Francisco brings a solid four to five sack floor for this game, which is absurd uh, with the amount of pressure uh, with the defensive corner change, the shift in philosophy on that defense. Now you got Bosa, who's looking healthy and looking like he's going to play. Uh, so I think San Francisco is my uh, my number one defense this week. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people. Um, let's see. Oh, I've got some San Francisco. Uh, Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Eagles are showing as highly owned. Seattle, uh, highly owned. The Jets. And then you get to the two that I'm mostly on at about 6 and 5%, the uh, Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. I think – uh, the Browns' defense is going to create turnovers. Um, right now, they're in my main build. I wish I could get up that extra 200 to the Eagles, uh, but I can't. I, I do think I'll find a way to play some more Jaguars. You know, uh, I'm a big believer in the immovable op. What happens when the immovable option, uh, the immovable object meets the irresistible force? And it's not in people's brains that, you know, Mahomes could have a bad game, but playing on the road, uh, I mean, you know, playing on the road uh, in Jacksonville against that defense, um, I, I, you know, again, it could, you know, he could, he could throw three touchdowns and two pick sixes. So for 2,300, I, I, I really like the Jaguars. And I think the Chiefs at 2,800 in the same game, could give up a lot of points, but, you know, Nick Foles could throw a pick six. Um, I think the Lions are a reasonable choice. And Sam Darnold is uh, another guy who, you know, you can get uh, Sam Arnold the good or Sam Arnold the, uh, Darnold the bad. So um, if you want to call in, we've got a couple callers waiting. Uh, we're going to get to JM in a second. He's going to call in any second. And then we will get to your calls if you want to call in, if you're enjoying the show, if you have questions about the grid, um, if you just want to uh, praise Mark for being a Navy fighter pilot, the number is 646-668-8928. So um, we'll, we'll, we're going to get to JM in a sec. Before we do, I just want to cover a little bit. He, he wrote a lot about the game environments. He talked about your Bengals and Seahawks. I think both you and I are are uh, more on the uh, side. Uh, you know, I think it's a, a really interesting. You want to talk about narrow distributions in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if it does shoot out like you think, I think Russ Wilson and, and Lockett are great plays. Uh, yep. Game you know, uh, the Ravens and the Dolphins, the Bucks and the 49ers he talks about. Um, and he talks about what I mentioned, which is everyone's talking about uh, Matt Patricia slowing the game down. 
But one thing I've noticed about Matt Patricia is hubris. And if you think that he has hubris, he might not. Um, you know, Matt Patricia might, his hubris might cause him to not prepare for the air raid like he should. And I think there's a, a you know, a, a better than 40% chance, maybe a better than 50% chance that this game uh, blows up. And I think that, um, the, the, you know, I think that Kyler and David Johnson have good floors, even if the game is a little bit slower, uh, unless they're just, you know, not in sync with the, the new uh, the new offense. So we've got a bunch of people calling in, but uh, we're going to start with the owner of the one week season, uh, the guy who put the player grid together. Uh, Jordan, JM to win, Toline. Jordan, welcome to the show. Todd, you nailed the last name. Nobody does that. Uh, I've heard you mention it a couple times. So, uh, you know, I, I actually listen when people talk, uh, even though I don't <laughs> always get accused of that. There you go. Uh, Mark, I like that you've got, uh, we've got Albert Wilson and Tyler Eifert in the main build, it sounds like. Yeah, buddy, get some. <laughs> There's the space. I like it. Um, so what's up, guys? How we doing? doing we're well, having man. fun. We're having fun. We're excited for week one, and we're excited, you know, I, uh, to work on the format. How, uh, how did how did you like the format as far as, you know, going through the grid, but also giving our guys who would fit in our grid? Yeah, it's fun. Um, you know, I – Todd, you know how I feel about this Lions, uh, this Lions Cardinals game. I know how you feel, so we'll see how that one plays out. But uh, I'm not confident. Of that, yeah. No, well, I mean, you just said forty percent. That's pretty. That's decently high confidence. <laughs> okay. Um, now the uh, you know one thing I did want to mention. A lot of people have asked about Chris Carson, and uh, I think this is a good point. I mean, you know, we mentioned in the player grid that it's it's my player pool, you know, so I'm not trying to list every good play, which I think most people are aware of that, but it still, you know, freaks them out. And I, I think one thing that's worth, especially people who got in late last season or are new this year, just keep in mind that I don't really pay attention to literally any outside noise. So I don't know who any other sites are talking about or any other touts are talking about. So after I finish the player grid and I go see Chris Carson is, you know, the second highest and second highest projected owned, running back it's like oh that's interesting you know so i i get that everyone wonders why this guy who apparently everyone else is talking about is not on my uh player bid now he is mentioned in the game the uh game expectations in tier three which i think some people missed but uh yeah just real quick on chris carson um i talked about it in the angles podcast so i won't go too deep but we just there's no reason we should expect him to have a bigger touch per game role than he had last year and when Rashad Penny played um, that touch per game role was he's appropriately priced for it so I think he's a solid play I think that there's a lot of solid plays and uh, two other things for anyone who jumped in late um, there's two things that Todd and Mark talked about that are I think extremely valuable and it's thinking about roster construction and one of the things we want to do on the site is make you guys better DFS players and I think 95% of sites are just all about matchups and this guy has a good matchup, but that doesn't really help us nearly as much in understanding how to put together a roster or 
how a game might play out. So, uh, Mark, you talked about finding the most popular construction on the week, which I think your spot on this week will include two of those mid-priced running backs on DraftKings, and then just doing something different because now you don't have to take bad plays to be contrarian. You just have a totally different roster than everyone else. And then, uh, Todd, something you talked about last year, too, and you did the guest podcast, but it's just how you're blending risk onto your roster. And I think we see a lot of people make the mistake of just taking – once you put one high-risk guy on your roster, it's like, oh, well, it's like when people have a cheat day and they've had one bad thing to eat, and they're like, well, it's a cheat day. I might as well go all out. And you end up with this roster with six or seven, you know, low-floor, high-ceiling guys. And probabilistically, you know, not all of these guys are going to hit. So take this low probability guy and put him on a high probability roster. You get something unique. You get that upside, um, and you still have an actual shot at taking down first place when this guy does hit. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple thoughts before we get into anything else, but I just wanted to throw those out there for you guys. Yeah, I I, I think that you know Mike, the, you know we might as well talk about the crucible, right? So. And, and, and how to differentiate. So to me, Kyler's not low-owned. David Johnson is not low-owned. But I think together in a single entry, they will be low-owned. Uh, you know, I, if you take Kyler at 10%, even if you think he gets there, and David Johnson at 10%, even if he gets there, uh, what percentage is going to have those two without one of the wide receivers, you know, that that's going to get me down. I don't need to be that contrarian with the rest of my lineups while, you know, and, and, and for me, the crucible of the week is, you know, by putting DJ in as my third, he he's 7,700, but to me, that's still mid tier, you know, avoiding bark. I think most teams are going to have one of Barkley and McCaffrey and uh, and so I think going completely away from Team Jam Em In, which was the big money way you won money the last couple of years, I think it, it could be contrarian this week, despite the value because of how people are trained to jam in at least one of those high priced guys. Yeah, and there's so much so much groupthink, and so I mean, realistically, there's there's no on paper reason why Chris Carson should be. For example, 25, 27% owned. Is he a strong play this week? Yes. Uh, but we see this group think that really just leads people to – it's difficult for people to assess uh, why somebody is highly owned and whether they really should be. And so, yeah, finding ways to just kind of move move away from that by thinking for yourself. And uh, so, Todd, what, last year when you did that guest pod, you talked about you put Tyree Kill on a team and you were talking about single entry and you explained why the floor on the rest of the team made up for the lower floor Tyree Kill had. Because, you know, when you spend 8K or 8,500 on a player, you really do want high floor and not a lot of people in smaller field stuff who are thinking through these things are willing to play a player like that at such a high price with, with such a low floor. And you talked about basically the rest of your roster had a high floor. And so by putting in Tyree Kill, you're just boosting your ceiling and you feel like if he has a floor game, you can make up for that. And I think it's the same thing with Kyler and DJ is if you have, you know, six, seven other guys who don't have as many question marks, but you feel like you're getting this upside, 
on these two. And like you said, pairing them together will be unique. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how you build sharp rosters, which is kind of a big focus of one-week season, is um, for you to be able to look at all the rosters that you're going up against most weeks and be like, oh, I see, most of these people don't really get it. Um, and recognize that you just have a better process and better roster construction and are positioning yourself better over time than the field. Uh, these are the type of things, you know, like that type of thinking of, okay, if Tyler's 10%, DJ's 10%, how many people have them together? Um, now you're contrarian by putting them together. So yeah, I love that. With, I love without that. one of the wide receivers, even the people who yeah. play them together are probably going to throw Fitz or Kirk in. Yeah, and then like stacking. you said, um, you don't have one of the high-priced running backs who a lot of people will have. So it's just playing things differently than the field while still taking good plays. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's, that's a very important point that we want to get out to the other six hour a week guys, you know, you can take and, and how to massage uh, JM's player grid each week, which is the goal of this is you'll see that there's a lot of his plays in my main team right now, but I, every week I put a little bit of thought into how to be just different enough. I always want to stack on my main team. I, I, I know other people and I know Jordan doesn't always do that, but I I really like I, I I want I I want my single entry team that could could also win me a million. And you know, so I spend a lot of time trying to find one and quarterback is a position where I'm willing to be contrarian more than most because of the flat scoring at quarterback. You know, if if you nail the rest of it and you've got a contrarian quarterback, uh, I, I've won pretty well that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you talk about, it's it's about the blend of these nine guys on your roster. It's actually something that uh, Cubs fan and I spent like an hour chatting about the other day. Just the way that you're blending, um, you know, it's t- looking at the nine player group instead of each individual. And I think that that's the biggest thing that we can help people with on, on one-week season, subscribers with on one-week season, is understanding that your your roster is a nine-player combination. It's not nine individual players who are working independently of one another, and, and you're just hoping that all nine hit. Um, and so, yeah, thinking through how everything goes together in a nine-roster spot sense is really like the biggest edge that we have right now in, in DFS because there's just so many people who still don't think that way. Now, Mark mentioned, uh, Jam, that he's all GPP. I'm like 70-30 at this point most weeks. I think I'm more like 80-20 this week, GPP to cash. I do like mixing in cash games. I like the variant. I also like challenging some of the better people in the industry. I get it's a great way to get a quick, you know, play two dollars and get see and get to see what Drew Dinkmeyer is thinking this week, what Al Smizzle is thinking this week, um, you know. So I, I I do a bunch of that, um, and I I do see value. By the way, if you're on hold, I see all of you, and as and we'll get to each one of you. So don't be discouraged. I'll take you one at a time Todd after we go through this. Like- they're going to like 11 p.m. tonight and just taking calls for hours. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I've got no – I mean, the live feed will go off at 10, uh, but I'm going to sit here. Uh, you guys can leave, but I'll be here until 
everyone gets a chance to talk. <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll all be on the site so afterwards. So there you go. You'll have it. Yep. So, uh, Jam, what, 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 you know, going into this week, wh- where would you say your percentage is? Uh, for cash and GPP, um, so I haven't done my actual entries yet, and I like my core builds, um, which I'm, I'm kind of vacillating between Josh Allen on, on core core build and Cam Newton. Um, but I'll have uh, I'll probably put 15, 20% in cash games. And I'm putting in a little less right now for two reasons. Well, this week for two reasons. Um, one, this week is unique to this week, but just as some people have pointed out to me, there's going to be so much overlay on fantasy drafts that you can almost treat it like cash games because we could have some tournaments where, um, you know, just the cash line is about 40% of the, the field, which is almost like a double up, and then you still have the tournament upside. So I'm going to move some of what would typically be my cash play over to fantasy draft and pricing similar enough to DraftKings that – you know, Todd talked earlier about narrowing your focus to one site so you can really sharpen things if you only have six, seven, eight hours a week. Um, but I think that the pricing is similar enough that there's an, an edge to doing that this week. And then the other reason, more long-term, is um, just with the stuff that Vandermeer showed us about cash games and showdowns and, and the edge there, to me, uh, I'm getting more of my cash game exposure in showdowns this year and focusing more on tournaments in, on the main site. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Mark, you have a question for JM before we let him go? Uh, no, man. Just glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, yep, for yep. sure. Uh, also, I'm with you on Josh Allen, so ride or die. There we go. <laughs> I, You know, I, we're going to have to do a, a, a show definitely because uh, I do like that theory of uh, of, you know, getting – uh, low cost, you know, I, I, I did it, you know, the, the year of Kamara and Ingram and, and I, I still kick myself because that's where the shotgun killed me. I had like 70% Ingram and, in and, and, and 70% Kamara at like 4,500 and 4,000, they both went off and I didn't make money. Cause you had so many like other combinations elsewhere on the, uh, every yeah. major analyst in the industry, I had like three of his picks. <laughs> yeah, narrowing things down is definitely helpful uh, and blocking out some of the noise. And I, you know, I I try to be um, I try to be politically correct in what I say about things, but it's you know, as far as talking about other people in the industry, other groups in the industry, but you know, I think it's important for people to be aware of where they're getting their information from and where those people are getting their information. And I, I just, and I think that on this, I doubt that we have many non-subscribers to OWS listening to this Saturday night podcast. Um, So primarily I'm talking to OWS subscribers and not trying to sell anything, but just saying that a lot of fantasy analysts um, spend most of their time grinding baseball and watching sports center and chasing girls and drinking and that they don't necessarily have deep knowledge of what's going on with each team. And so pay attention to where you're getting your, your information from. You know, if you're listening to somebody like Silva or Levitan, they're tapped in, they know what's going on. Um, but yeah, a lot of times what's driving the thoughts and the fantasy discussion isn't actually good information. Um, and so just be aware of that, you know, as you guys prepare and 
if you're on something and you've done some research or you read stuff that's research-based and you like plays and then you go see, you know, some fantasy analysts who are talking up somebody like totally different or talking down the guys you like, just be aware that you might actually have more quality information than they do. Um, and keep that in mind, you know, have trust in yourself and in your build as you guys, as you guys move forward into these weeks. Awesome. Uh, we lost like three callers while one of us was talking, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> if you, uh, if you know, we're going to get to you guys in a minute. And then, uh, again, the phone number to call in, if you want to uh, ask a question, it's six, four, six, 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 eight, eight, nine, two, eight. JM, any last thoughts? Or do you want to no, hang guys, out and take uh, questions with us? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, I'll hang out. Can I still be on the line while questions come Oh, up? absolutely. All right, we're going to go I'm next. Down. Let's do it. The guy who's been on the whole time, I hope he's there when I open his line, 951-595. Uh, coming to you now, opening up your line. Hello, are you there? what I was afraid of. Um, if you text me uh, at, uh, at Todd, T-O-D, from PA when you're back, I will get you back on. All right, we're going to go to 404-908. Hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you guys doing? Good. Who is this? Doing well, yeah. Yeah, this is Naj in Atlanta, man. Uh, look, I, I just happened to run into JM stuff this week. So I, I was reading his stuff this week. I'll be joining uh, later on in the week. And I'm just looking through the little radio show uh, app, and I see JM's name on it. So, you know, I, I wanted to check you guys out. So thanks for doing the show, man. Big day tomorrow. Yeah, big day. Uh, and uh, uh, do, do you play a lot of DFS? Uh, I've been playing for two years. So I'm kind of getting in late and trying to catch up on things. So I'm kind of learning every year. So this is my first year playing, actually using optimizers and looking into what people are saying and stuff like that. Uh, I was going off of just being a, a football guy who knew things about football. So now I'm kind of learning. You and me both. That's indeed, where we indeed. started. You got a question for <laughs> yeah. JM before we let you go? Yeah. Yes, indeed. So my question is this. Everybody's talking about stacking because they're saying correlation means more than anything. Uh, and I, I guess the, the play this year is everybody's going to do stacking one guy the other way from the other team, one guy from the other team the other way. Would you would you say avoid that because everybody's going to it? And would you look for, I guess, more affordable stacks in other ways, like stack up your quarterback, wide receiver, and whatever, and then find another team that you feel like is a good price that has a couple, you know, pieces you want to use and use that. Uh, Jam, you want to take that? Do you want me to rephrase yeah. that one? No, no, no. Yeah, so um, first off, uh, it's cool that you're getting into, like, this side of things. And I think that there's still, like, a much bigger edge than probably you would even anticipate from getting into the side of things just because – there are so many people who are just building based off of who they think the good players are. And I think that the thing with stacking is that a lot of people still don't fully understand it because they think about, um, it's like, it's almost like this. I'll hear people say, um, like, okay, well, if I, if I, if I take Carson Wentz, I have to pair him with one of his pass catchers cause that's stacked. And then I have to bring him back with somebody from the other side. And it's like, 
it doesn't always work that way. Or like, you know, you think about each game scenario. So we talked this week about how the Browns could smash the Titans 38 to seven, and they could keep the foot on the gas pedal the whole time. Same thing with the Ravens. And so in that situation, taking pieces of the offense can be really valuable without taking anything from the other side. But the whole, like, I wouldn't overthink, oh, other people are stacking and so I shouldn't. Um, the big thing for me and what people don't understand about stacking and why I stack in single entry stuff and smaller field stuff, and we talked about this last year, is you're giving yourself fewer things that you need to go right. And so I got pushed back from people last year with the, um, you know, it started when I was saying when Mike Evans was out, and I was saying, look, don't try to choose between Chris Godwin and Adam Humphrey. Take them both together. And people were saying, well, you're, and it was like there's 7,800 combined. And it was like, you can't spend 7,800 on a wide receiver and get 30-plus points. And you still had ceiling for 40-plus. I think they combined for over 40 points that week. And so people think, well, you're blocking your path to ceiling, but really you're not. You're increasing your floor and your ceiling and giving yourself fewer things that you need to go right. So, like this week, if you use, you know, and you can be creative with your stacks because each – I guess what I love about the NFL Edge is we can dig into each game. So each stack can be unique to what that game or, or offense provides. So you can put DD and Fournette on the same team, recognizing that the floor is already high because of the narrow distribution of touches. But if the Jaguars score three or four touchdowns and they all come to those two guys, they can both be slate winners on the same week. Same thing with the, the Bills stack, to a lesser extent using Ingram and Saquon together. Um, it's recognizing how you can expose yourself to the most foreign feeling from a group of players from a single game, um, which is different from just saying, if I take my quarterback, I have to take one wide receiver, and then I should bring somebody back from the other side. It, that's still a lot of just guessing. But if you can say, all right, points are flowing to these players, and so I've got floor and feeling by taking these players, um, that's how I really like to do it. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll add to that by saying that um, you know what we talked about a few minutes ago. There's, you know, this is an art form, and this is something that JM and I have talked about. And if you're new. You know, just get as much info as you can and just do the best you can. Um, also, game selection is really important when you first start. Don't try and win a million dollars because it, your chances are very low. Uh, play some low-stakes uh, single-entry tournaments would be my advice. But the JM and I have talked about the, the art form of building teams. And I think if, you know, if there's a narrow distribution, yeah, bring back someone from that game, uh, but then differentiate the lineup somewhere else. Like if you think you've got a guy that no one else is on that is going to have a big week, then do that and, uh, you know, do, do the stack, bring it back with one guy, maybe bring it back with two. I've got lineups this week that have two and two uh, in case the game really shoots out. 
But that's the lineup I might throw a Dallas Goddard in that no one else is talking about that has the talent to crush. So that would be what I answer to that. I, I wish you well. Thank you very much. Uh, any last thoughts uh, I, before we go? Yeah, if I can be greedy and get one more in. Uh, the tight end situation, you either pay up for Eifert and, you know, the other guys or the pay down situation. Because there's a, there's a few tight ends paying down that looks like they'll give you a little more uh, to do a lot of else uh, across the roster. How are you guys feeling about the tight ends? That's the the other thing I wanted to ask. And, and thanks for taking the call, man. Appreciate you. Guys no worries, for what dude. You're doing. Uh, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you follow. Uh, listen off the air. Uh, I, I I I as I mentioned, I'm on Engram. Uh, Jam, uh, who is uh, right now looking like he's gonna break into your lineup? I know Mark, uh, and then we'll listen to Mark. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I like Ingram, but I do think that so. When you talk about blending risk and upside, if you take an Eifert or a Mark Andrews and just save money at this position, you can build a little more safety in other spots on your team. And you think about, always think about what type of contest you're in. So if you're in the Millie Maker and you take Eifert, that's not like the only risky play you need to win a million dollars. You only need a couple other guys too. But if you're in a single entry or smaller field tournament, and you throw an Eifert or Mark Andrews or one of these cheaper guys, if they go for 20 points, you know, you, you could play pretty optimal on the rest of your roster and be passing a huge chunk of the field. So I think that in tournaments, um, mess around with it and just recognize how to blend that risk into the rest of your roster. So instead of, instead of taking, um, I don't know, like a wide, instead of taking a wide receiver who maybe has like a Deshaun Jackson, you can take the D.D. Westbrook instead in that same price range because you've taken the uh, higher risk tight end and saved the money and, and you'll have a different roster construction. That's how I would look at tight end. Mark? 100%. Uh, the, the rosters that I have, Tyler, Tyler Eifert, I'm blending the risk by paying up at running back, taking both Barkley and McCaffrey, getting Godwin, getting Westbrook still. So not making suboptimal plays, but just blending that risk with the upside that uh, that is available there. Love it. All right, we're going to go back to 951595, see if he popped back in. Hello, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Good. Who's this? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, my name's Nico. Sorry, I had my my one-year-old banging some pots and pans, so I didn't want to get red on the air the first time. <laughs> you first you and JM are in the same hell. <laughs> yeah, 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 we know how that is. Similar age boys. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't yep. really have a question, but I'm, I'm – I'm, I joined up last year. I've listened to JM since Roto Grinders and um, been playing for about four or five years now. And I feel like I get on the right plays, but I just, I'm trying to get roster construction down this year. So um, any tips, you know, just narrowing it down. Do you ever shy away from any of these running quarterbacks ever, you know, just playing them naked more often than not? Or what about running backs in, in the same game against each other? I, I don't know. Like, um, it's, I, it's I think an Antonio Brown runs naked through the woods, but that's no, that doesn't help. Does <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan in California, so I'm I'm pretty. Oh my gosh, you got to be loving life today, dude. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Man. There you go. Uh, <laughs> About 110 uh, out here today, but other than that, it's great. Jam, what what are you, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, uh, this actually kind of piggybacks off of what we were just talking about from the last caller, but. I'm going to talk about this probably next week. And for any of you who are asking, uh, we're starting up the chat pod next week. 
Um, it's just too much in, in week one with how much there is, you know, all these partnerships and getting stuff off the ground. But um, I'm going to talk about this some in the chat pod next week and really I- expound on it. But when you're building for stacks, and we're asking, you know, like people get in this, uh, and this is why I don't think that the edge goes away when people start saying, oh, you should stack more. Um, because people still go so black and white in their thinking, and we try to introduce a lot of a lot of nuance in one week season. Obviously, layer type of thinking. But the um, the way that I would think of it is, you put a player on your roster. So let's say in this example, Chris Carson, and you say, because we're not trying to just get a good score, and this is what's so important. We're trying to get a slate winning score. We want to win a tournament. So if you're putting Chris Carson on your roster recognize that you're immediately saying, I expect Chris Carson to score 30 points. Because by putting this guy on your roster, you're essentially giving a vote to that play that you think this guy is going to have a slate-breaking score. And at Carson's price, that means 25 to 30. So then I like to say, okay, if Carson scores 25 to 30, then what does that mean for other spots in this game? And uh, I recorded a little something the other day, and, and it was kind of like wonky and didn't sound great. So I'm just going to wait to talk about this deeper on the chat pod. But that's kind of the, oh. the type of thinking oh. that I would say that to basically like that's the next level that nobody else goes to. Is you're saying yeah, right. by stacking, you're not saying, I'm going to just throw Wentz on oh. and I'm going to put this guy and this guy on. But instead you're saying, if I'm using Wentz in a tournament, then I expect him to have 30 points. So if he has 30 what does that mean? And then you think, what does that mean for the other side of that game? And so you kind of build for specific scenarios. Um, and then if that scenario hits, you end the money on like three or four players instead of just on one. And that's the beauty of it. So um, that's the, like the shorthand of how I would look at it is just when you put a player on your roster at tournaments, say, okay, if this guy gets a slate-breaking score, what does that mean for other players in this game? I love that, and I will add something that Jordan taught me, which is if you want to get better, um, you study what great players are doing, and, and especially with lineup construction. You know, um, I know that Fantasy Cruncher, uh, one of our partners, has a product where you can actually go in, and, you know, if you really want to get better at DFS, buy a, buy a month of Fantasy Cruncher with – uh, uh, fa- I think it's Fantasy Cruncher Pro. And you can go in and look at every lineup from every player. And it is just something I highly recommend. If if you do that, and you'll start seeing, and that's how JM learned. He learned roster construction a lot by looking at what other players do. And if I'm not mistaken, JM, it's something you still do a lot of. Yeah, and I, the way that, that I always recommend doing it is the go to the um, on DraftKings. You can look at all live contests, and so you can go to NFL and look at live contests. I don't think you can do it on the phone, but on the site. And so you can go to the highest dollar tournament and see what I'm doing in my you know, high dollar single bullet, or what Osmo is doing in his high dollar single bullet. Brandon Adams is doing it. You know, we're we're building two, three teams and putting our optimal plays in there, you can really get a sense of how really good players are building those rosters. And I still, yeah, I go through basically that entire 
leaderboard and each week and look to see what other people are doing, see what I can learn. And I mean, it's similar to, to Bill Belichick going and hanging out with Greg Schiano each off season and Jimmy Johnson each off season, and Nick Saban each off season, you know, just exposing yourself to new thoughts and ideas to see, okay, what can I incorporate into what I do to get better? And then uh, like Todd said, I mean, the stuff that fantasy cruncher offers is incredible. So the subscription that we have for you guys, which is part of one week season now is actually 20 bucks a month. So it's essentially you're saving 80 bucks during football season by having that. But the, uh, the ultimate goal is that a lot of you will be like, man, fantasy cruncher is so good that I'm just going to stick around for NBA or upgrade to the bigger package because there really is so much that they offer um, that's just top-notch. And I mean, they're the best lineup builder, the best optimizer, and uh, and then they have all this other cool stuff too. So, yeah, uh, I'm with Tom on that as well. All right. Thanks for the call. Oh, by the way, I speak baby, and he just said uh, Todd was right. Anthony, uh, Antonio Brown is crazy like a fox. So uh, we're going to go to 617831 next. Hello, are you there? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Matt. Matt from Boston? Yeah, you got it. AB84 time. Where do you live up in that? What do you, where do you live in that region? Um, I'm right outside the city. I'm in Belmont. It's like a suburb. Oh, cool. Right on, man. Uh, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Winchester. No way. You're like 15 minutes yeah. from me. Yeah, there you go. So uh, did you call up to uh, give a, a, a thought on uh, Antonio Brown's sanity, or do you have another question? Man, I got to say, I think A.B. was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. I really think he was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he I was think playing he play. some game that was so insane that no one else has ever played it. Like, I, I was trying to think of, like, what's a game with, like, almost no rules? but I couldn't think of one to make a funny joke. I'm ready to dye my mustache blonde and just go for it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you Patriot um, fans, so, boy. I know. We're... You, you, do you have a question for uh, for us? Yeah, I do. Um, so the roster construction stuff is awesome that you guys are talking about, but I wanted to, to flip it over to Showdown, if that's all right. Um. The course that Zandemir put together is fantastic. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's yeah, awesome. you got it. The, the cash I thought it was Xanadu, that, but that's okay. <laughs> the cash portion of it, um, sometimes I'm, I'm finding it's hard to make that roster construction that he's talking about a lot. And so I'm just wondering, like, if you can't make that roster construction – you know, where do you typically look to go to kind of fill in those roster spots? You know, and I don't know if I want to. So, if you want to break down what he was talking about in his course? But. I, I suck at showdown. I have to read the course myself. Jam. Yeah. So um, this is my first year doing showdown, so I'm kind of learning from from all the stuff that Zandemir has. But the I think we started out with a couple of really weird games too because. You know, the Bears have effectively three running backs, and Aaron Jones was going against Chicago. And I guess, yeah, we can't, we have some non subscribers on so we can't get too deep into the specifics. But, um, but yeah, and then the Patriots and, and Steelers, there's high priced guys. And again, Patriots have timeshares at running backs. What I did this last 
the Thursday night showdown was just because of uh, Devontae Adams, that kind of broke down in my collective, Devontae Adams' chances of having the highest score in the game. Once Shaheen was the starting tight end, I just used Adams in my captain spot and then kind of optimized the rest of the way. I had Shaheen and then had both quarterbacks and, and both kickers and actually finished like 0.75 points out of the money. But I think that that was the sharpest way from, from what I was seeing to kind of figure out what was, like the best way to grab as much floor as possible. And so I think the big thing to take away, and so to kind of condense the thoughts, I'll just leave it at this. The big thing to take away from, from Vanamere's cash game thoughts is that you're trying to maximize your floor. And the stuff he laid out is the clearest way to maximize your floor every week and kind of take the major thought process and overthinking out of it. But um, when you can't do that construction, the goal then is to say, okay, how else can I maximize my floor on this team and expose myself to like as much guaranteed points as possible. So um, that's how I would kind of shift it, shift the thinking when you can't do that construction is to say, okay, if I can't do that, what's the best way to, to maximize exposure to points? What do you All think right. about if you're, oh, I'm sorry, if I can just get no, one go more ahead. Yeah, go in. follow up. No problem. What, what do you think about, you know, you've got your showdown slates for the weekend. If you find that slate where you can, you know, clearly get that cash build in, you just hammer that one with all the yes, double-ups you get. In, in double-ups, yeah, in cash games. And then the advanced course, which we're, which we're making for sale in this new marketplace we're building, and it'll hopefully be up next week. And um, I know it's not on brand for us to make something like for sale, but it's really the only way to get Vandermeer on board was to build in some upside um, Form given, given how much edge he's giving up. But the uh, advanced course breaks down like some deep tournament thoughts and essentially why that optimal cash construction is super suboptimal for tournaments. But, um, but in cash games, yeah, like if you get that, then you just, for me, hammer double ups. And what I love about it is we have minimum 51 slates just from the island games, 52, because we got, uh, oh, yeah, 51. There's no Monday Night Football Week 17. And two games this week. So you got 51 slates, not including the extra showdowns on Sunday afternoon. And so if you look at it as a large sample size and you say, okay, I can cash 65 to 70% of these, um, then it, you take out like the up and down from an individual slate. You can just hammer this approach in, in cash games 51 times and know that you're coming out ahead at the end of the season. Yeah. I love, All right. I love Thanks for the call. You. We're going to move over to, I think, Western Massachusetts, 678392. <laughs> Are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Uh, did I get it right? Are you in Western Mass? Uh, actually, no. I am in Atlanta, Georgia, like the first caller was. Oh, uh, I'm cool. not sure why the numbers showed up that way. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, how are you doing? What's your name? Oh, Marcus. First name is Marcus. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, ready good. for the NFL well, season to kick off. I've been playing you excited DFS. excited about the Falcons? Um, uh, no, I am a strong Falcon hater. Uh, they, they pay a lot of bills around here come playoff time. Uh, so, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, but I've, I've been playing DFS. Uh, I got in around the big, I think it was 2015, where, you know, DFS was being really pushed mainstream. And, uh, well, you couldn't turn on TV without seeing an ad. 
Yeah, that was me. I, I got sucked into it, and uh, I've been playing ever since. Uh, NFL is by far my strongest sport, uh, so I feel like I, I think I think this would be my best year. Um, I just got a simple question. Um, the past two years, I've bubbled a lot. Like I always fall just outside of the cash line in tournaments. Um, you know, if the cash line's 151 or something like that, I'm in like 148, 149, something like that. And I think my biggest positional issue is wide receiver. And I'm just having a hard time nailing down wide receiver plays. I don't know if I'm taking too much risk or if I'm, you know, and I'm not building enough floor in or what the circumstances might be. But if you guys have any Marcus, tips about getting over that bubble. On your list this week just to get a sense of, of like where your thought process is at wide receiver? Uh, the, the three that I was looking at that, well, two that I know for sure that I pretty much have locked in is uh, D.D. Westbrook. Um, I really like D.D. this week. Um, I got on him towards the later part of the week. And uh, outside of D.D., I also like Godwin. Um, I think Evans is – will put up a better score, I just think, because of price. I just like Godwin just slightly uh, better. Um, and I am coming around on your Cole Beasley play after looking into it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just I'm looking into it, and I'm looking at those, those um, you know, the Jets picked up Brian Poole in the offseason, and PFF had him ranked last in their, their slot, uh, as their slot uh, corners, and I'm I'm really coming around on Brian Poole. Yeah, let's hope I mean, on Cole Beasley. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, this week you obviously just on, like, pretty optimal plays. I think that, I mean, wide receiver is the highest volatility position just because they're so dependent on, um, you know, what, what happens with the quarterback and what happens with, with game flow and what happens with coverages and all that. So um, one thing that we see generally is, and I don't think this is true week one when pricing so soft and DD and, and Godwin are just so clearly underpriced, but James Curtis Daniel too is just so, so clearly underpriced on drafting. Um, but as we, when we see deeper into the season, there's a lot of people playing 20% owned wide receivers who are maybe maybe this guy is only five percent better than somebody priced right next to him, and but that guy priced right next to him is two or three percent owned because this other guy's grabbing all the ownership, and so um, mm-hmm. thinking about two things: one, um, not getting sucked too much into groupthink, and so if if a wide receiver, if you see that like everybody's on him, he's really popular, challenge it and basically say, okay, is he really like? clearly the best play in this tier because what we really want to do is if we take long-term thinking and this is so hard for, for people to do and I understand like psychologically you don't want to lose money um, but if you take long-term thinking you're going to make more money taking the guy who's only like a little bit worse but way lower owned and so and that's not taking like a substantially worse player like DK Metcalf over um over Curtis Samuel. You know, like DK Metcalf is a tournament play. But, like, if you're talking about a situation where there's just two guys, it's like, wait a second. These guys could both be, like, there's only, like, a few percentage points separating these two in terms of if we played out this slate 100 times and, and this guy's way lower owned. Over time, those plays pay off. 
Um, and so typically when, when people are bubbling, what you see if you look at their roster is they're just not being aggressive enough. And so you end up with these rosters that are just like a little too safe, where it's like the roster is really sharp, but it's just a little too safe. And so if you if you're not taking like a bunch of big risks, but it's just finding one or two spots where you can say it's like so for me if I put Chris Thompson on the main build this week, or if I put which I might do, um, or Cole Beasley, you know, stat <laughs> like this little bit of risk or Joe Mixon. Like, you have just one or two things that are just very different from what everyone else has. And so, psychologically, people are like, oh, man, but then if I get this one play wrong, I'm going to lose. But, but you're not trying to double up. You're trying to win in a tournament. So what you should be thinking is, okay, if I get this one play right, I'm going to win. Um, so, like, this week, if, every, if, if ownership projections hold and everyone's on Chris Carson and not on Leonard Fournette, the first thought is like, man, if, if Fournette doesn't outscore Carson, I'm screwed. But then if you flip that around and you're like, if Fournette outscores Carson by 10 points, I'm throwing past a bunch of people and we're trying to win a tournament. And, and that's really what matters is um, if you look at making the cash, making the, the cash line in tournaments as also losing, then you kind of change your thinking because uh, instead, you're like, well, it doesn't matter if I cash and double up long term. Long term, like it feels warm and fuzzy to hit the cash line and double up, but long term, you're facing first place. Um, and I think one thing that helped me is early on, I really started out with qualifiers, where it's like first place and nothing. So I got in that habit of thinking like, okay, I want to take down first place. What plays would I? What plays would I play? And so you've got to skip that thinking to tournaments and say, I really don't care if I don't cash. I want to try to win because if you win once, that's better than just min casting 17 times. Um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of the thing is just like blending just like a little bit more risk will typically help you get that little bit more upside you need. Yep, I, I agree with that, um, and I and I think that um, you know it's it, and that's what, why the player grid is so valuable because it gives you you can make a blend just from within that player grid. And almost, that's what almost every week, almost every week you could build a winning Millie maker lineup. For, like I looked last year, it was like 14 weeks, 13 weeks. You could have built a first place Millie maker lineup from the player grid, but it's just how you, it's about getting the blend right. You know, and that's the thing. And, and, and that's the challenge. Thanks a lot for the call. We got two more calls Thank in about five minutes before we jump out. Um, I'm going to go to 630-310 next, and uh, we will get to 951-595. Just hang on the line, and I'll open your mic once uh, once we go off the live air. Uh, 630-310, are you there? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, Just a real quick question. Um, Well, first of all, Jam, love all you do. Appreciate it. Um, Great content this week. But real quick, um, I'm a big cash guy, play probably 80-20 cash. And um, one concern I have going in this week is there's just going to be so much chalk and a lot of overlap in these rosters. Would you have an issue playing both DD and Fournette on the same team, given that? Uh, I w- no, I mean, I'm, I'm all on Team DD Fournette on the same team, and I think that – 
I think that in I think that there's a at least a 15% chance an 80 85th percentile situation where these two guys combine for 55 or 60. So I don't even like I don't think you're limiting upside in tournaments. And then in cash games, so much is flowing through these two guys that um, in, in cash games, I really think it's it's super optimal this week to put Ingram and Saquon on the same team, to put DD and Fournette on the same team. And I know that like this doesn't take into account ownership because I don't really uh, do that for cash games myself. But if we take ownership out of the equation and the potential that Fournette is lower owned um, than, than the level at which we like him, just from like optimal builds, um, Fournette and DD on the same team together is, is super sharp to me because the Chiefs are going to, or the Jazz are almost certainly going out to score points, and most of the offense is likely to flow through these two. So, um, you know, if we played out this slate a hundred times, the, the number of times these guys would fail would be really low. Um, so, I like that bet in the cash games this week. Yeah, and, okay, and I'll add, th- I'll add this to that. I like the Adam Levitan thought when it comes to cash. It's something, he, and he is he is like Mister Cash Game. Uh, his 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 whole concept is that he's better than you and he's going to make the best plays and and if you're playing a bunch of cash and you're playing a bunch of head to heads he's going to trust that if he makes the best plays he's going to beat you more times than you're going to beat him and that he's not going to give up a best play out of fear of x y or z so if you're a big cash game guy and you think that Fournette and Didi are the best uh, is make helping you make your best team, then I would encourage you to do it. Yeah, not, not okay. touched on this earlier, but just teams with a narrow distribution of touches, there's so much value from a floor and perspective. So yep. that leads I, me uh, uh, to real ahead. quick um, along those lines. Does that? make you a little more concerned about Didi? It sounds like Marquise Lee's going to play this week. No, I mean, so that's honestly uh, Marquise probably a little Lee. better. Uh, that's probably a, a little bit better for... I call Didi Marquise because Lee. Because you, you have somebody who can take some of the defensive attention away, but, I mean, Lee hasn't really been able to practice much this summer, so um, I don't think that we're adding just like a ton of extra touches to him. I think he's probably playing... 60% of the snaps, and then Didi is just a better player, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm not playing Didi in my main build um, because I feel like mine isn't just a cash game build. It's a um, it's kind of a hybrid, and I feel like Curtis Samuel and uh, and or Jamison Crowder um, for six seven hundred dollars less. I don't I, I don't have to play the Oh no! What if I pick the wrong guy? I feel I feel more confident in Fournette because I think he's going to be lower owned. I think he's going to have a great uh, floor due to his pass catching. You know, I think he'll catch three or four for thirty, forty yards. Um, so uh, you know, I, I I think Westbrook is a fabulous play, but I'm, uh, I'm I went down to Samuel because I think. I think they're going to throw him some short passes. I don't think he has a terrible floor at that dollar range. And I think he has as much, if not more, upside to win you a tournament than Didi does. Okay. All, All right, right that's good. Appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow. 
Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for the call. Uh, the other gentleman hung up. So, uh, Jordan, any last thoughts uh, before we get off the air? Uh, Mark uh, had to run, so uh, I, I want to thank him for everything he did, and uh, obviously you for giving us this opportunity and for coming on and joining this week one. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to uh, kind of talk about the player grid a little bit, process thoughts with you guys. And uh, as you guys know, I always love talking about strategy and process and all that. So uh, next week the chat pod will start up and we'll, we'll hit on a lot more of this type of stuff. So pop in questions on Twitter with the OWS chat pod hashtag, and I'll, I'll be sure to see those as well. Yep. And I will, th- I will throw out um, an email for people to send grid specific questions uh, that Mark and I can cover uh, because we won't be able to be live uh, going forward. So uh, I'm going to leave us with a little music. You're not going to hear it unless you check in later, but um, this is uh, something that I always use to get myself pumped up since I was a kid in the seventies. It's from the movie Rocky. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys, and we will hopefully uh, see you next week. Bye.